Hey, babe, let's talk about money. Because you know we're not supposed to. We're not supposed to talk about money for the same reasons we're not supposed to talk about racism. Systems of oppression require denial and more than a little delusion to survive. Hello and welcome. I'm Serena Hicks and I've just entered the money chat. We're talking about money, money mindset, and how to replace the social norm of a scarcity mindset with the creative regenerative power of holy wow money. Let's frickin' go. Hi, everybody. It's me, Serena, and I have a very, very special guest for you today. Her name is Veronica, and she is a member of the Boom Boom Room. She is a boommate, a boomage, if you prefer. And I have questions, and I thought, why don't I ask these questions and we can share with you publicly? And Veronica was like, yeah, I'll come chat on your podcast. So Veronica, hello and welcome. And will you please introduce yourself to everyone and tell everyone where you live? Yes. Um, my name is Veronica Cordonier or Veronica Cordonier or however you want to say it. Um, and I live in Dallas, Texas. Uh, I was born in Chile, but I have pretty much lived my whole life in North Texas. And I loved it here. I love that you love it. Do you know that I'm moving to Dallas? <gasps> when? February. Okay. But also in the call earlier, you said that you grew up in Dallas? I was born in Dallas. I was literally born in my house, you guys. My hippie parents, my mom and my dad hired a midwife and a photographer. So I remember as a kid, there were like pictures of me being born. And I was like, so like, mom, why were you naked? And she was like, you just don't care when you're having a baby. You just, you just don't care when you've been in labor for over 24 hours. You just don't care. I was like, I don't understand. There was a person taking pictures of you and you were naked. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Dallas, it's, it's my home. And I have been in Austin for 13 years. And that is after 10 years in New York City. And there's a whole bunch of different things that sort of popped up at once. And I was like, I want to go back to, I'm, I, it's bizarre. I never thought I'd be back in Dallas. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I'm going back to Dallas. Dallas is kind of the place to be. I mean, we, we welcome you with open arms. Thank you. For some reason I thought you were in Austin. So I was like, so fun. We'll have to get a meal. Um, yeah. I love Dallas. I love learning that you were originally born in Chile. I have not been there yet. It is on my list of places I need to go. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Okay. You're a coach. Will you tell everyone what you coach on? I mostly coach on, see, I, this is always the question. I coach on everything. I'm a general life coach. I just got my advanced coaching in, in feminist coaching certification. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm very feminist mindset oriented, but I coach all genders and I coach all, you know, people from all origins, but most people that come to me are coming to me from a perfectionistic, overachieving background. However, they have neurodivergence, they mask heavily, they worry about whether they are good enough, mm -hmm. and they typically overact, do too much in their mind, quote unquote, I'm, I'm, quotes here they mm -hmm. do too much or they are all over the place quote unquote and that runs their energy low so I help them with a combination of 
human design coaching and energy coaching and mindset coaching and fun coaching. <laughs> Obviously, you are so fun. I love that you mentioned that. I'm like, and we weave it together with fun. Yes. How do people find you? And we'll put this in the show notes, but how does how does someone find you if they're immediately like, I need to talk to her? Yeah, you can go to byconsciouscoaching.com or you can visit my Instagram, the three underscores coach, three underscores V. Perfect. Okay, so I love how you explained the kind of coaching you do. And I want to model this for everyone before we, uh, we're in the interview, but before we move forward with the interview. Historically, and I know you know this more than most, but like patriarchy says we're supposed to have like our elevator pitch, the one sentence of like, I coach people who, and I love that you take the time to explain like, okay, there's perfectionist background and and open to all because, because you're not like, oh, I only coach women or I only coach this. And I want to normalize and I want to make sure every listener is paying attention to, we are in a new era. I, I'm not mad at an elevator pitch. You're the kind of person who says... I coach and you've got one clean sentence, magnificent. But if you, like me, like Veronica, are like, well, it's not any, it's hard, it's, it's this, it's that, and I use energy and I use mindset and I use HD. Thank you for normalizing. We are in the new era of coaching. Mm -hmm. It's not just one thing for so many of us. And if you're listening this entire podcast is ultimately about getting paid for doing work you love. And I think the old era was like nice and tidy, fitted into a box. I even have a friend who I adore, who is a peer, just so we're clear. And she's like, you have got to like really tidy up your messaging. You need to just tell people, you know, I just, and it needs to be in one sentence. And it's so funny because I love her so much. And I just disagree. I just feel like I have tried that, especially in the last few months, maybe it was last year, but like, you know, I'll help you 3X your business, but I'm like, it's so much more than that. And I'm not delighted when someone is only hiring me to quote 3X their business, mostly because they're not delighted when it's about spiritual work and all of this other stuff. I'm like, it's not, mm -hmm. it's not an ATM. It's not do, check these three boxes and the universe owes you and promises to deliver what you think you need. It's yeah. like, oh, it's not that. And at the same time, I'm like, how do I say like wealth activator and abundance frequency holder? And the answer is you just say it, right? <laughs> That's it's it. so perfect. It's so perfect that you even said that. Because like, I look at you and I'm like, oh, your messaging, I get it. It's so tidy to me because you're yes. repeating the same message every day in a, a billion different ways. Like you're loved, you're doing the thing. It's all abundance is a part of you and you are able to produce it and you are able to attract it and all of that. Like, I get it. Every way you say your message, I get it. And it actually is amazing because one of the pits, one of the intentional thoughts that I practice is my people get me. Yeah, apparently. So yeah. it's just being proven right here because I'm one of your people and I get you even if you say something wrong and then like- you get it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, such a good example. And Can my we... people get me. Yeah. And the reason why I even pointed out like quote unquote all over the place is because that's something that I pinpointed last year is that a lot of my people think they're all over the place and they're they're literally not. But also like if I can be that example of I'm a coach that's all over the place because I like bringing in lots of different elements and maybe sometimes I'm 
like you. I'm like talking about a sports documentary. And then sometimes I'm over here talking about spirituality and Byron Katie. And then sometimes I'm over here talking about Burning Man. I don't know, like whatever is just in where I'm at, because that's just where I'm at. That. That is the new era. That is why. And I love listeners, y'all catching this. I feel like they're nodding their heads and driving, being like, yes, we're with you. We're with you both. It's it's the new era. It doesn't look like coaching or personal growth did even five years ago. And I'm so into it and I'm so grateful for it. And I think of even, um, I know that, you know, I'm life coach school certified. And like, if you guys, listeners, if you follow Brooke Castillo, she used to be, I used to like roll my eyes just looking at her. She had the short, spiky, um, you know, blonde hair and it was in a suit and everything was hyper professional and white. And I mean that everything, everyone, everything was white, every person, every flower, everything, everything. All the backgrounds, the design. Everything. And she literally, I remember listening to her podcast once and like being like, I roll as I removed myself from it, like couldn't just leave, had to roll my eyes while removing myself. It was like, she's the height of this, you know, born wealthy white woman. And one of the things that I love about her is she's such a trailblazer in the life coaching community. And I'm like, yes, that was the vibe that was necessary for a woman, even a white blonde woman to be taken quote seriously as a life coach. And she's got her extensions now and her lashes. And let me say she has opened up her whole world to color everybody, humans, decor, like she is a divine feminine boss at this point. And it's so powerful to me to see the evolution that she has given herself permission. And one of the things that has helped me in my business, and I suspect you too, Veronica and listeners, I just want to connect the dots for you, is what allowed her to blaze the trail years ago. She has since like a crustacean that has outgrown its skeleton left behind. It worked then. It was what she meant it. She meant it. Now she's like long hair. Now she's like color everywhere. Now she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's talk about energy. And I love that because I think so many people, especially since the economy like got interesting in 2023 and we're going into an election year. So Lord knows it's about to stay interesting. Want to hold on to what used to work. Yeah. And it's like, no, that used to work then. And I love that you brought her up as an example. Cause I, I think everybody in the, in our coaching, whatever, what have you, um, has, has thoughts right about Brooke Castillo specifically. And I had them too. And I just, when I got acquainted with her, uh, cause she was not my way in Cara Lone mm-hmm. was my way in, but, um, and <laughs> What a what a polar opposite of of a coach, right, Kara? But then Brooke being Kara's coach, but um, that I was like, oh, I don't like this woman. So white, such a white lady, such a white lady. But then listening to her podcast, because I was like, what is coming up for me here that I know this woman has something of value to give me, and I'm unwilling to just listen to her. And then when I realized that I was like, why don't I just put aside my prejudice and just take the value that she gives me. And then I was like, dang, maybe someday. And I have paid her for services. And I realized that like, maybe someday I'll have a client that maybe I don't rub them the right way, but they know I can help them. Mm. And that's fine because Mm -hmm. Like, you don't have to like me, but I'm speaking the truth. And if it's going to help you, then great. And that's what Brooke does. Like, she doesn't really icing on her cake at all. She's, 
she's such a fun phenomenon for me, especially she's been talking more and more about money and people drag her for talking about money. And we know I like to talk about money. If you're listening to this, that's why you're here too. And it's fascinating because she is literally was born a wealthy white woman and even she gets dragged. And she was talking about, you know, the DNA imperative to fit in. And we all know, if you don't know, let me be the first to tell you, but you already know this. We are pack animals. Humans are wired to be in community. We, you know, why why are babies, I was going to say worthless, that's funny, but not true. Why do they require so much help and protection for years? All these other people, people, sorry, horses, animals, they have babies that can walk soon and immediately. And we've got these creatures that are completely helpless for absolute years. And it's like, no, we are wired to be in community, two people to make the baby and the baby can't do shit for at least five years. Like, we are wired as pack animals so that when we feel like we stand out because we're the one making tons of money or whatever, there is a DNA imperative of, oh shit, to fit in. And it's been in particular for me the last few months, fascinating to watch her talk about, again, born wealthy and as a white woman and fully acknowledges at this point, fully on board with all of her privilege and is still talking about how often she's felt othered and how she's been in all these masterminds feeling like she needs to prove it because she's the woman in the room. And it's like, oh my God, giving me such permission to be like, of course I've had nervous system responses. Of course I have freaked out and questioned myself so many times in making millions in years. Yeah. Who do I think I am? And I'm like, yeah. It's it's actually funny because I um what we're gonna talk about of like making money, the money that I made here at the end of 2023 going into now. And it's so funny because I was writing, doing my thought download before this, and just like, man, I have had such a like down few beginning of the year weeks. And I'm like, I did not feel this way last year, and I did not make this money last year. And now I made the money and I'm like, ugh. and I remember telling Elisa, one of your other boomages and one of my other coaches is like being like, oh, every time I've like made a ton of money, I've had a freak out and just yeah, yeah. like had to be like, ugh. yes, <laughs> if you're listening and not watching this and you're like, what is it was a complete contraction. It yeah. was rounded shoulders in chin towards chest, like rounded in, like think hands armadillo. clenched. Yes. Think armadillo protecting, like yeah. rounding in to protect. It is literally non-verbally. It's just that it's protect. And it's so valuable that you said that because what we think, what we hope, what we think wrongly is more money will bring us peace. We'll be, we'll feel so great. It'll be perfect. If I, just... I felt so great last year at the beginning of the year, having sold zero packages this year, <laughs> sold one, feel terrible. <laughs> and, and it's not about the money. In case someone's listening, I don't think anyone's listening to this podcast being like, yeah. see, no, I don't want to make money. No, no, no. Right. Trust me, not having money is its own special version of hell. I have been mm -hmm. rich. I have been poor. Guess which one I recommend? Money. So definitely, but it's it's like, oh, the money brings up. Am I worthy? Do I deserve this? It, it brings up everything. It's so fun to play with. I love that you're honest and you're like, yeah, nope, I have I have feelings. And it's like, yes, because yeah. it's not about the money. It's because you are increasing your visibility. You are increasing your willingness to be in service in this world and to not have an elevator pitch as a coach to be like, yes. I work on the energies and your HD. And I have to say, have to, have to say, because I had a big 
revelation moment, literally right before this podcast, because I was writing and now I have to find it. I was writing while we were on our 90 days of boom call. Mm -hmm. I was like, what is like the thought? The thought that came up for me was just, I'm never going to be where I want to be. Like ego thought. (laughs) Yeah. Like, why do I feel so not great? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, I'm having that thought. I'm never going to be where I want to be. And it makes me feel distraught. Of course. And it makes me contract and all of that. And then I kind of create that reality. And then I immediately, well, I I pumped out some different results. And then I did the work, although I did it imperfectly. I think I got it right. And then um, (laughs) I got it right because it worked. in that, like, I'm like, oh my gosh, like three years ago when I decided to be a coach, I was like, I could be on one of those coaching podcasts. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, wait a minute, like, I'm about to be on a coaching podcast. You are. Yes, this is happening. And and when I did the work and asked the question, like, is this true? I was like, no. And then is the opposite true? I think that's some of the work. I was like, yes, the opposite is true. I am going to be where I want to be because right now I'm where I wanted to be three years ago. The magic words right now. That's it. Like right now I'm I'm where I wanted to be. And it's so meta. So I wish I had a drawing board for the listeners, but it's like, okay, so right now is exactly where I wanted to be. And yet the ego will always be like, no, 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 it's in front of us or behind us. The yeah. ego loves to be in a present, sorry, doesn't love to be present, loves to be in the future or the past. So sometimes in the past, some of you listeners are like, yeah, it was so good two years ago. It was so good two years ago. And it's like, two years ago is not here. 50,000 in front of us is not here. When we are able to appreciate the right here and the right now, like that feeling, that energy, and then that's what perpetuates again and again. It's so wild and so meta and so powerful. And I love that you were like, wait a minute, I'm literally doing, like I've literally manifested. Yes. And this is not the only coaching podcast I've been on. It's like I'm here and I've been where I've wanted to be and we're here. Mm-hmm. It has begun. <laughs> it is imperfect and it is perfect. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Speaking of, tell me what you are most proud of so far this year. So, so far in 2024? Yeah. And just for listeners, we're like two weeks in, literally. Yeah. We're like two weeks in. I am so proud of how I have taken care of myself Mm. through a down period. Just the level of self-compassion has up-leveled amazingly. Mm. And to just allow myself to not do and not freak out Mm -hmm. and be like, it's going to be fine. You don't have to produce something right now. Actually, not producing something is producing something. Not that producing something is the goal, but... Not producing something is producing something. It's like in music. Without silence, there is no music. Yeah, negative space in art. Required. And in business, it's so easy, especially when we're like, whoa, I want this, I want more, I want that, to fail to hold space for the negative space. And yet the space between is where everything is created. Yeah. And as a manifesting generator in my human design, that's something I've really tried to harness 
a lot more recently. I think in the last year, I haven't like focused on it fully because I only was like coming into it in the last year, but realizing that my uh, strategy for living, because if you don't know human design, it, it provides you with a strategy for living or really the strategy that works out easiest for your type. And mine is to create, which when I first read this, I was like, I don't really know what that is. Uh, create divine energetic space mm. for something to come into that space for you to react to. Whoa. So it's like, don't do anything. Just create an energetic space so that some so that divine mm-hmm. essentially can come to you and mm-hmm. share with you. And if you're busy constantly doing, 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 there's there's no energetic space there for you to have a silent moment to be like, oh, I think spirit or God or whatever you want to call it, the universe is showing me something. Mm-hmm. And if you're not paying attention, then you're going to miss it. Mm-hmm. Literally going to miss it because it's, I was watching Hoarders the other day. I went through a major season in life where I loved watching Hoarders. And literally mm-hmm. yesterday I was like, it's time for another Hoarders episode. I haven't seen one in years. And I love it because I think it is the physical manifestation of what you just described. When, when like I saw the episode yesterday, it's a woman and she was, you know, always a little bit of a hoarder, but like when her second husband died, she was mm-hmm. devastated and it was it's always a death. It's, there's always like... an inciting, an inciting event. There's a grief moment. And they can't feel it. And with respect for anyone listening, like it is, it is a form of mental illness. Like this is why I, I, I think it's valuable for me to watch this. Cause it's like, oh, right. And then it spins out of control. And as she's Forced is not the fair description. She chose to be on the show and this woman chose to participate and her adult children were there helping her. But as she was letting go one iota away from being forced to let go of all this clutter and junk, what was interesting to watch, but I was like, this is why I love watching it, was there was nowhere for her grief to be stuck. Her energy was flowing. Her emotions were flowing. And that is what she had been avoiding. That is why all the stuff, fill it with this, fill it with that, fill it with this to, yep, hold it, hold it, hold it. And suddenly it was like, you could see the energy in the house is starting to move literally and figuratively. And she was hit with grief that that's what she'd been avoiding. And then they show her, of course, months later and stuff. And it's just like, yeah, that's all that ever had to happen. Spaciousness to allow energy to flow, reality to be. And it's like, oh yeah, so many of us are just socialized to resist our feelings and reality to the point that it's just, we said, produce, do, produce, do. And it's like, but what are we producing? Yeah. And I think in these two weeks, it really has been like that. um, Be willing to feel this feeling forever. Mm -hmm. Like continuing to remind myself because I keep being like, oh, like if I just feel shitty for like a good two weeks, it should just be done after that. (laughs) Will you explain that? Because I know I know what you're talking about, but someone listening doesn't know what you're talking about. Will you explain, be willing to feel it forever? Be, yeah, it's, it's, um, when you're willing to put your ego aside and sit with the emotions that your ego is bringing up for you, um, it's, I know this as a coach, it will immediately dissipate, but not until you are willing to be present in the moment with it what res- what you resist persists yeah. so the second that i say i should only have to feel shitty for x amount of days 
that's exactly when the ego is going to add another day or three time I say that. And then when I'm willing to just feel shitty forever, if that's what it means, then maybe I just need to live my life feeling this way forever. And that doesn't mean anything about me. It's just where I'm at. Yeah. That's the flow. You guys, I was literally, I'm like, I can tell you where I was. I was in Oslo, Norway, listening to Eckhart Tolle talking. And when he was talking about you know, you know that you're allowing a feeling when you're willing to feel it forever. For me, that's when my head exploded. And I was so excited. I was like, I'm going to tell the boomates. I'm going to tell everyone. I just love that, that explanation, because for me, it usually shows up as, oh, I'll feel better after I have coffee or I'll feel better. I'll feel better tomorrow. And it's like, that is not allowing a feeling. It's just as you described, that's me being like, I will tolerate this feeling for a certain amount of time. And it's like, nope. What if I feel as you said, shitty or shame or fear. What if that is just a part of my experience? And when we are willing to allow it and not make ourselves wrong or make it mean something is going wrong, mm -hmm. then it's like the nose on our face. It's just, this is what's up. This is where we're at. Yes. This and is the part where. Mm -hmm. mm. Um, speaking of this is the part where. I believe I remember you sold your first, so far, 5K package while in the boom boom room can you talk about what that was like to have that amount of money from a client getting paid literally like work you love mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what was oh, good yeah. about it? such a great experience um such a great experience to realize that that money was already divinely dedicated and allocated to me before i was even ready to receive it because i remember saying like, oh, I'm going to do this special, which I do a special on my coaching every year at the end of the year. It's kind of become a tradition at this point, And it kind of makes it easy to make a decision. It's like, I just know this is going to be my special at the end of every year. Don't have to think hard about it. And then, then the next part of deciding that you're going to offer something is actually offering it. <laughs> and then I did that. And then, um, I had a client who was going to be up for renewal at the end of the year, but I just went ahead and offered it to her five weeks ahead of that renewal. Mm -hmm. And immediately she said, yes, uh, I had already sent an email about the offer, but then, you know, I, I do a really good job. I think this is for every coach offering things in person or just face to face is so different than just sending an email. It's a personal invitation. I agree. And it's a really big deal. I'm always amused and listen, y'all, you can do things any number of ways, but I love, yes, like it, it's a, it's a, it is literally an invitation. I love in-person offers. Yeah. And so many people, like I find that I just do, I have so much more success with a face-to-face offer inviting somebody in. And I should know that because I used to do door-to-door -door canvassing and that's where I learned a lot of my skill set. But, um, uh, it's almost like some you know, you could send an email and people would be like, oh, she must have like hundreds of people on her email list. I don't. I have 45 people on my email list. So it's not, not you know, no yeah, it, yeah, but I'm sure that maybe some of my clients think like, oh, she's just talking to them. But then mm. when, when I make a personal offer, my client was essentially like, yes, I saw your email and I wanted to talk to you about it. Mm. So again, like in the power dynamic, me initiating makes it okay to talk about, makes it appropriate. It's that flight attendant energy, I guess. She immediately said yes. 
I was like, great. I was just celebrating the yes. And then Elisa was like, have you invoiced her <laughs> a couple of weeks later? And I was like, no, oh, I don't, yeah. you know, I don't know. I I'm scared. I don't know. I don't know why. I just like, didn't know when the right time to do that was, but the right time to do that is whenever it's right for me. Cause I'm the person offering the thing. Okay. So I want to say yes. And yes. Yeah. And while I make wild faces at Veronica, I'm like, no, the right time to offer is immediately. Yeah. immediately. Whenever someone says yes. And I think it's in service to the client come to my Ted talk ready in service to the client, because number one, enthusiasm has a half-life number yeah. two, things happen and change. And one of the things that I did for myself, but keep in mind y'all, when my journey with coaching really started, I was beyond broke. We don't want, I was worst case scenario is what I'm trying to say. So I remember being delighted to pay her immediately. Um, and I didn't even have cash to pay her. I, I had to do a payment plan that I had to advocate for because she didn't do. But when I explained to her, I have no 401k. I have a pile of debt. I can't sell my car. Like when I explained to her the situation and she understood, I was fully stretching to make a payment, but I wanted to. She was like, yes. And I remember paying her immediately because I only had that much credit left on my credit card. And I was terrified there was going to be a bill or a monthly occurrence that I didn't know about. And then I wouldn't have access to the coaching. So when I say immediately, it was like, I was so happy to pay that because I was like, other bills can bounce or whatever. For me, the priority was coaching. So Veronica's like slightly blushing as I'm screaming. If you're listening, this is for you too. Anytime a client says yes, get them that invoice, not from a desperate, not from a fear, like what if they change their mind, but literally in service. We have no idea what might happen. So get them the invoice. Yeah, it's morally neutral. Yes. It's, it's, and it's also just like, let them have the full experience and lock it in. Yeah. Well, I sent it, she paid it within like an hour, not even two hours. I don't think I, I don't, I couldn't even look at my email, but of course it came immediately. And it was just so funny to be like, wow, that $5,000 was allocated to me. And I just wasn't receiving it yet until you were. Yes. Yes. What does that feel like in your body? Like go back to when you were like, uh, haven't sent it yet. Like, what was that feeling? Uh, discomfort. It's so funny. Cause I was like celebrating the yes, but I also have this thing in my brain where it's like, I can't really celebrate until I have the money. So I was like really holding myself off from just celebrating it fully. From fully having it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of clients who, Um, and there's a lot of nuance in this because sometimes, you know, clients are like, well, not until I get the money. And I'm like, look, I fully get that on account of, you know, sometimes there are false yeses, but it's also just interesting that you're a part of you was past tense, but like scared to send it. And I think that there's an interesting, um, gray area that a lot of us, especially as we're practicing receiving, like getting the yes feels good. And we don't want to quote jeopardize it by sending the invoice, in which case, what if they change their mind and we'll be disappointed and we'll fall apart. So even though we don't have the money and we're not fully celebrating the yes yet, they haven't said no, as long as it's on us to send the invoice. And that is another reason I'm like, you guys send the invoice immediately. So that it's either locked in confirmed, or if there is horrible disappointment, which is a part of growing a business, mm-hmm. you're aware. I also put on the invoice for the first time ever, no refunds. Oh. Talk to me. And I just 
I knew I wanted to put that on there, but it was scary to do. Um, but I was like, this is a special price. Mm-hmm. Like this price expires. So like no refunds. Tell me, tell me why you decided on a no refund policy. Hmm. Why did I let me say it differently? I... What is right about it for you and your business at this time? It was right in that I feel like the value of what I offer is so much more than the price that I sell it for. I like to over deliver and mm-hmm. price under. And even though my ego was like $5,000, like that's so much, uh, that really, um, it's the no refund was like a lock in of the dedication and also knowing that if you are going to make a decision to walk away from this, that that's your personal decision and result. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't need to affect me Mm -hmm. or what I charged. I specific day of the year. I love that. I want for everyone listening, because if you're listening to this, if you if you don't know, I have a no refunds policy. It's on my website because the lawyers are like, you have to put it on your website. I have it overstated on my checkout page for buying the boom boom room, like overstated. Like it's not just in the contract. I was like, put it at the top of the contract and put it before the contract box because and knock on wood so far moving into year two, no requests, no confusion. And I'm, I do think part of business that I feel good about is just over communicate on the front end. It's not good for anyone to be like, oh, I had no idea. So I'm like. I also didn't want there to be any questions. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, I was thinking like, oh, maybe I should make it like, okay, maybe this random arbitrary amount could be refundable. But then I was like, why? Like, I I shouldn't even have to make that decision. It seems complicated. It just seems like the easiest thing to do is just make it a new refund thing. And That that part, that part. Like it complicated is not better, especially in particular for women, people of color, women of color growing a business. So often our attempts to over accommodate any possible potential situation are just coming from our having been socialized to believe we have to work twice as hard, having been socialized to believe we're lucky just to be at the proverbial table. And I'm like, no, that's bullshit. Like we know if you go to a high end store and they have a dress that's half off or whatever they state if it's a no refund as an example, like, you know, where it's like, this is just a no return. But like the point is they're not dealing with the admin. They don't want you to take it home, change it. It's, it's a, it's, we're not dealing with the admin. We're giving it to you for cheap. It's a yes or no for you. And cheap is a, you know, I put that in air quotes, my friends. Yeah. Half off, you know, it could still be thousands of dollars. The point is it's interesting to me, not just how often other people almost unconsciously invalidate our businesses, but how often we do it to ourselves, And that is a part of my no refund policy is just what you said. I'm like, listen, this shit works if you work it. What I am not willing to devote, not just my manpower hours, but my admin team's manpower hours to is if someone's like, I want to come in and half-ass try it, but half-ass not try it. But then I want you to be responsible. Like one of the reasons the boom ages get great results is when you buy, you are buying access to tools that work, a community that is phenomenal. And it's on you, just like if someone enrolls for their local university or not local university, it's like you can go to class or not go to class. 
but the teacher still needs to be paid. The custodian still needs to be paid. Rent still needs to be paid. So if you decide not to show up to class, that's not a problem, but there's really no refund. That's just not yeah. how to And it's funny because I, okay, I grew up immigrant kid, mm-hmm. first person in my family to go to college. My mentality, absolutely, even in high school was like, I need to juice everything out of this yeah. school system that I can. And I think it still ill-prepared me, kind of funnily enough. It still ill-prepared me because I'm a person that holds multiple um, oppressed identities. I don't know mm-hmm. how to say that, but um, yeah. And so, but what I've noticed is like, when I want to get the value out of something, that is my immigrant upbringing to learn, to know how to just, I'm going to juice the heck out of it. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to go there and get an education mm-hmm. and I'm not going to skip class because I'm paying X amount, X, Y, Z. Actually, 32 year old version of Veronica is going to be paying. Yeah. <laughs> She's oh, still going to be paying. Yes. So, right. Like, I just have the mentality that if I'm going to do something, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get the value from it. And this specific client is all in, all all in, and I'm all in because I know I'm going to show up 100% for them. So now, you know, they get to show up 100% for themselves because I always tell my clients, they're not showing up for me, they're showing up for themselves. Yes. And if they don't show up, it's totally fine. It's just business. One of the other cool things that I've also, uh, in just the last year or so of business, I'm like, it's just business. If I buy a flight to go to Boston and for any reason at the 11th hour, I decide not to take the flight, like that's just, yeah. that's just it, which maybe is not the best example in 2024 because coronavirus changed our um, ability to change last minute flights. But like generally, if I just no show, Delta is not like, well, we owe her money. She decided not to come. Delta's like, we sold her a seat. She literally no-showed, which means nobody else got to sit in that seat. Yeah. Like, it's just business. It's just if we buy a ticket for a Beyonce concert and don't go, Beyonce is not crying about it. Beyonce is not insulted. Beyonce is also not refunding. <laughs> it's yeah. you bought a ticket. And thinking back to about the moment that I invoiced. Mm-hmm. I think underneath now looking back, because it happened way back in November, I believe, or just early, whatever, over a month ago, um, that I I knew that several, if not more, of my beliefs that I had been wanting to throw away were going to be blown up mm. the moment that that payment came through. Yep. I don't think I knew that subconsciously. I wasn't thinking, oh, when this person pays, I will, I can no longer believe that I'm not a $5,000. I'm not a coach that sells $5,000 packages. Like right now, like then I am, I'm a coach that sells $5,000 packages. And like now that's even like an intentional thought that I practice. But also at the time I had been thinking I'm a 10 K a month coach Mm -hmm. and I didn't realize it, but then very quickly after I made that 5k, I was like, oh, I'm already a 10k a month coach, even though I haven't really made 10k in a month. Now I can see how possible it is. And I just, I'm already that coach now already. Like that intentional thought got replaced by a new one, essentially, immediately. I can feel the energy shift. And I think that's what's so interesting about intentional thought work is it's like, there is it's yeah it's i see it almost like in my head like clock gears it's like something clicks into place and it's like oh yeah now i can see that 
I love how you mentioned the identity because remember, listeners, ego has an identity. Like I am this, I am that. Like that's that's what we hold on to when we're actually feeling peace and presence. There is no identity. It's just presence and it's just connection with ourselves, with the divine, with others, if there are others involved. So just noticing that identity. I had someone in my last mastermind who, when she crossed the 100K mark as a coach, it was so hard for her specifically because so much of her identity and hi, that's why she works with me, everybody like this is on purpose. But so much of her identity is, quote, I struggle to make money. I struggle. My coaching business isn't there yet. And it was so interesting. And she was so conscious of it and was so like, it's so wild. Now that I've made $100,000 as a coach, how the brain is like, but no one's buying. And at the same time, it's like, but I just made $100,000 as a coach. But she was like, it's so crazy right now. That will likely be me. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Which is kind of nice to say, because it's kind of yeah. like saying, I'm going to make $100,000, but also I'm going to hate it. And not hate it. It's just going to feel uncomfortable <laughs> because it's, it's, it's going to feel and, and again, our, our society doesn't have like so many rituals to mark these occasions. Like factually, yeah. we know it's uncomfortable for people to marry, to partner. It's why there is traditionally, not always I acknowledge, but in most cultures, literally around the world, there is a ceremony. It is, we we make a ritual out of, you know, this is the end of your quote, maiden or younger or single life. Now this, when people have kids, not just here in the United States, literally around the world, generally cultures have these ceremonies to mark these rites of passage, to mark major identity shifts. And it's fascinating to me. These do not exist in business other than yeah. your chosen community of the boom, boom room or wherever your chosen community is. So many people cross the hundred thousand dollar mark or sell their first 5k package. And there's not even necessarily like, let's do a dinner. And yet it is a major rite of passage. And that is one of the reasons the community of the boom, boom room is so, I think so valuable. Yeah. Because being able to say, that's why we're having this podcast. You're like, sold my first 5k package. And I'm like, this is a big, it's a big deal. You can buy a car for 5k and you get paid. Literally. I love just that. I heard in my head. Some people are like, I mean, not a great one. I'm like, but you can buy a car for 5k. You can buy a safe vehicle for 5k. And I mean, I drove off a car lot with my car only putting a thousand dollars down. So I bought a Volvo for $3,000 when I came home from New York City, some old person who apparently never drove it and kept it in immaculate condition. So it was like 20 years old, but it was 3,000 cash and it was it was heaven, got a speeding ticket and everything. Like literally, you can buy a vehicle all in for 5K and you made that money getting to work with a human who I know that you love working with, supporting them in their empowerment. Like, come on. Yeah. And in the last year, that one also really helped because they were already my client and they renewed mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for a long time. And then um, it was it was also smashed because a year ago I was really struggling or like more in 2022 era, Veronica, I was really, really struggling with like, I don't get renewals. Oh, I went through that phase. It's not a helpful thought. Anyone listening to this? Stop it. It's not a helpful thought because then we're comparing ourselves, And then it's hilarious because people who get renewals, do you know this, Veronica? I have so many clients. I'm like, what is wrong with you? They're like, it doesn't count. It was a renewal. I'm like, what? That is double valuables. What are you talking about? Brains are hilarious. Turns out I do get renewals. I get renewals all the time. But um, I think it was just like, 
I don't know, when you think about what your business is going to be like, it's nothing like that once you actually go into the business. And I think you really have to deal with like a lot of little deaths, a lot of like little griefs about it's not panning out the way that I thought it would. And that's That's reality. Okay. It's just reality. It's like, this is rich, you guys coming from someone unmarried, but I think I'm pretty good on this analogy. I've gotten feedback. It's like, you know, there are 16 year old versions of us who think when we partner, when we marry, or if you prefer partnership, but like everything will be perfect, then I'll suddenly be triple beautiful, and the perfect health, and they'll be perfect, and we'll never fight. And they'll lift me up at all times. And it's like, oh, honey, that is just an ego fairy tale. They will be human, and you will be human. And it might be the joy of your life, the privilege, your like, it might be everything, but there will be fear and disappointment and arguments, and you will not be magically whatever you think of as more beautiful or perfect. Like it's, uh, it gives me the chills because I'm like, business is a spiritual journey. I specifically remember after I crossed hundred K I was washing my hair and I don't think it was like that day. I think it was like a few days later, but I was in the shower washing my hair and I was like, I'm just me. <laughs> I've made a hundred thousand as a coach, which is phenomenal. But as I was washing my hair in the shower, I was like, I'm not down 20 pounds. I'm not 10 years younger. I'm not magically glittery. Yeah, I, I thought unconsciously, but I thought once I'd crossed 100K as a coach, yeah, nothing no but joy, <laughs> joy and peace, joy and peace, nothing but joy and peace, nothing like, no, there was, there was a pandemic. I had a partner who I'd sometimes fought with. I had personal insecurities. My family failed to be completely perfect to me at all times. It was just really human, man, and yeah. really perfect. But like, the reality is it's like, oh yeah, you grow your business and your business grows with you and you are still human. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Last year was majorly a growth year for me um, in the regard of, well, I I hit one of my goals. I have two goals in my business that I adopted from um, Simone Soul, which Mm -hmm. is bring happiness and fulfillment to my business instead of expecting it to bring it to me. Mm -hmm. Hit that goal. Amazing. I've I've hit that goal. I know how to do that. And I can repeat that. Amazing. Like huge win. And it has produced great results for me. The other one is become unattached to the ebb and flow of signing clients and don't make it mean anything about me. Mm-hmm. Fail. Well, it's really failed that, on that. That is, <laughs> that is next level. Um, that is a next level spiritual experience. And I think that. I love that you said fail as in like, let's just model it, but it's, it's easy. I want to speak to that, especially coming from her realm because I watched her business boom, which was beautiful. And, but like when you boom to a certain point and a very inevitable thought is like, there's just, they, the clients just keep coming. Like at some point it's just a machine. Yeah. And when you are building it, if you don't fall into that level of boom, it's so hard and it's so important to be unattached, but it's such a challenge. I want to normalize the challenge because it's like, but this is how I pay rent. And not even just this is how I pay rent. This is also like, this is what I choose to do. I want to get paid doing this. So we're looking for, you know, it's like if someone wants to become a professional tennis player and they keep losing matches, it's hard to be unattached. If they want to be a professional tennis player, it's like, okay, but I can't lose matches for three years and get on the circuit. Like I'm going, something is some, so I want to Thank you for saying that and acknowledge that it is such a cone. It is such an impossible task, Yeah, which is why it's a spiritual journey. Mm-hmm. But 
give yourself so much grace when you are disappointed because it's like, yes, because this is what we're doing. This is, it's like if you wrote a book or I'm going to say screenplay and you want it to be a movie and you've got 50 no's, you will be disappointed. Yeah. You will be attached because it's your sacred work because you're like, no, 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 this is what I want to do. And it doesn't define your worthiness. It doesn't define your value. It doesn't mean it's not meant to be. It only means knock on the next door, keep going. Yeah. And the growth I experienced this last year, for instance, like one thing I, I discovered about myself, which I long probably knew, but in going after big goals, I, I ran headfirst into it. And it's that I, as a neurodivergent person, struggle with rejection sensitive dysphoria, which is not just yep. feeling rejected. Yeah. It is having an entire meltdown about feeling rejected not even being rejected but just the idea that I could be rejected terrifying can cause an entire toddler level meltdown in me and I experienced and I experienced it once and then I because I realized that I actually had another moment in the year later on where I created the circumstances to walk into that myself again Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right and so I was able to be like okay this is probably going to make me have an RSD meltdown but I already know that last time I survived it and I was laughing at myself a few hours later Mm. I'm I can do this I can handle perceived rejection it's so much it's so much also about how your thoughts are and it's like not even aligned with your actual circumstances. Like nobody's even, actually rejecting you. Even real rejection. But I want to point out, and I think it's actually, it's tied to entrepreneurs who've had great success. And I think it's interesting how disproportionately women of color are booming in the entrepreneur space and also how, and disproportionately guys, I mean, meaning like there's an unstoppable element and how I think what I'm trying to say is those of us who are willing to be rejected, not even perceived rejection, be rejected and love ourselves through it, then we are unattached and we've taken that power away from the world. Yeah. And that makes sense to me, the unstoppable. When you think of innovators and you guys were recording this on Martin Luther King Day, I'm a big fan, as you can imagine. And I, I actually... For years now, I'm like, I tend to work on Martin Luther King Day by choice. That is my choice. No one has to meet me here. But like, for me, it's it's a privilege. As a direct descendant of enslaved people in the state of Texas, the fact that I get paid to talk and be in community with people I care about and also pay me, like to me, this is a height of privilege. I love to imagine what would my great-great-grandparents think? Like, yeah. What? I loved when you asked on Facebook, like, what do you think it is I do? And I was like, you get paid to speak your truth. Mm -hmm. And how powerful is that? Beyond. I mean, I can think of that on both my bloodlines, but in particular, the enslaved humans I come from, like they got beat and or punished for anything other than yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Like that, that was, that was a, that was considered, I mean, that was, that was a fact. And it's like, what? And I get to share my opinions and I get to share my point of view and I get to support people in their growth. Like the height of freedom, the height of freedom. All that to say, as we record this, rejection. Like when I think of, I'm thinking of my dad in particular right now, he is black. 
um, for for new friends who are like, who's black? Dad's black. When I'm thinking of him and I'm thinking of like, you know, he told me he was in the Navy for a year and he was like, that was no place for a black man to be back then. So he got out. And and if you guys don't know, I am obsessed with, um, oh my gosh, I just, I'm like, Leroy, last name Brown, was the first Navy pilot, first black Navy pilot. And there's a movie um, I think it's called Devotion. I know it's called Devotion. It's a great movie. I happened to see it on flight and was like, how did I never hear about this? I'm still very confused. Jesse Leroy Brown, first black pilot for the United States Navy. Phenomenal story. And part of it, because of course the movie is like, you know, making it all very palatable. And of course I got on the internet afterwards and was like, holy shit, it was much deeper. Talk about rejection. I mean, he was actively discouraged. That's the most sanitary way I can say it, people actively discouraged from becoming a pilot in the Navy. It's like maybe one out of a hundred people were even neutral about the idea. And thankfully he ended up with a phenomenal, you know, flight captain and ended up with a great crew and blah, 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 all of it to say, it's so loving to recognize in your neurodiverse system, how that affects you and to hold space for like and I loved myself through it. And I noticed that I was laughing hours later. And as you know, I love to say, like, the problem is the portal. Like, it is the portal. And it's like, what if even, listeners, join join us in this, like, even if you are rejected, meaning not just a potential client, but even a family member is like, I don't know what you're doing. This is the worst idea. Will you love yourself through it? Will you hold your vision? Do you trust yourself? Will you let yourself have horrible emotions? And horrible is with an air quotes, my friends, but feel scared, unwanted, doubtful? Will you stay with self and not abandon or reject self and move on from there? And that's where I'm like, oh my God, entrepreneurship is a spiritual experience. It's it's not even about the money. It's about we are alchemizing change in ourself and that gets to ripple out to the world. Yeah. And I want to like normalize so heavily that even though I signed my first pay in full 5k, no refunds client, I am living a reality of like, okay, I have a part-time job. I'm like, I want to find another job. I don't feel stable. I don't feel like, okay, like now my business has finally like solved all my problems and I can just quit my jobs and you know, all this and the ego of like, oh, finding a job and, you know, but ultimately like, I love, love, love that no matter how low I even got in these last two weeks, like the thought of quitting has not crossed my mind, like even gotten close to it. It's just like, this is just part of the process. Look at how far I've got in three years, even though it doesn't look like what I thought it would look like what you just said like this is the art of creating this is creating every every entrepreneur goes through this it's different for different people based on some entrepreneurs start with a pile of money some entrepreneurs start with a partner or a spouse who has a pile of money like some people start with a pile of debt some people start with a pile of certificates so they have that confidence some people don't like it's always different i just recently read um the founder of Nike, Phil Knight, Shoe Dog, his story. I recommend it to everyone. It's not a new book. He wrote it years ago, but it's fascinating to me. And one of the things that was fascinating to me was what a, I had no idea the challenges he had. And this is as a privileged, attractive, broad-shouldered white man who came from plenty of money and like 
and he acknowledges, by the way, at the end of the book, he's like, I had such a sense of safety that I don't, I don't know that everyone could have done this. And I think what he was speaking to in particular is people of color or women. Like there was so much, so many ways that he had advantages and blew my mind all the different obstacles. They were basically cash poor for 12 years. I was like, what? Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like to think about businesses that don't make a profit. It's weird. It's, (laughs) it comforts me, I guess. I actually didn't have a lot of debt when I started. I actually had great credit when I started as a coach. And actually, I, I think that a huge part of my money mindset was getting to the point where I'm actually okay with debt and don't make it a problem and see it as an investment in my future. Mm -hmm. And I'm not like, I'm not in the emotional state of quote unquote crumbling under my debt. Mm, Very like valuable. I take responsibility for my debt. Yes. Which is why I I thank myself, my 20 year old self for building really, really good credit and not going into debt. So 30 year old Veronica could Mm -hmm. take a bunch of credit Mm -hmm. and use it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, a movie that I saw that I sobbed a lot over, and if you haven't seen it, you have to go watch it, like ASAP, Serena, is Nyad. Oh, I loved it. Loved it. Yeah. First of all, um, Jodie Foster and Annette Benning. Like, Ina. I was just going to watch anything that they're in, but then but they have to go and produce that movie, which I then realized after the movie was a literal true story. Oh my God, you're so young. I love that. You were like, I didn't know. I'm like, oh, I remember. Because I remember being 30-something when Diana Nyad completed it. And I, I don't remember now. what well, She was 60 or something, but I was like, what? She was 65 because she- What? She literally tried for like five years and literally her entire team yes. quit on her and yes. she didn't quit on herself. I was like, that is a That's- level of self-belief that is- Jen. Vision. Vision. CEOs hold vision. Y'all listen to me. CEOs hold vision. Such a great example. Watch the movie Nyad if you haven't. Yes, it is all based on a true story. I saw the Tina Turner story in musical form this Saturday night and I read her book. She's written two. I've only read My Love Story. It was the more recent one that she had written. It's phenomenal. And they portrayed it and some of my friends hadn't read the book. Um, who I saw the musical with. So we had fun. I was explaining to them what was real and true. She had nothing when she and I were divorced. And that was, you know, she just needed to be divorced. By the way, she ran away the cross the highway in Dallas, Texas. Yes. Thank you. Texans, We t- I told them that too. Yes, I was like, in Dallas, this was Dallas. They portrayed that in the musical. And like she crossed the highway in Dallas with blood all over herself. Like whole situation. Shout out to, she asked, and she told the truth, you guys. It's always about tell the truth. She went to the front desk and was like, you know, I have 36 cents on me, but I I need a hotel room. And a manager gave her a hotel room. Um, literally, she was like, I want to do rock and roll. And they, plural, were like, you're a 40-something-year-old divorced Black woman. There is a 0% chance you will, quote, perform rock and roll or sell out stadiums. Now, I hope some of you listening are like, but she did, Serena. She totally sold out stadiums with the Rolling Stones. And I'm like, yes, yes. But she held that vision while most people, not her manager, they they were good, but like most people 
we're like, oh, honey, you are way too old, way too black, way too female. There's a 0% chance. And she was like, mm-hmm, this is what we're doing. It gives me chills. Again, entrepreneurship is a spiritual experience to me. When I'm like, oh, we are changing the world. It's not, quote, because we are making money or because, quote, we're offering coaching or services that are of value, although that counts. It's yeah. that we are literally co-creating. We are just like, I'm back on it. It's MLK Day. But when I think about just here in the United States, this has happened on a global level in many different countries, but like abolishing slavery, like that was creating something completely new, completely for people of color, for the people who are abolitionists, like it was a whole new and so many ways we've like gotten soft and forgotten because our ancestors wanted us to get soft and forget. And I appreciate that. But it's also like, no, where we're at in this world at this time, like systems are melting down. We have to be creating new systems. That's either consciously like from love or unconsciously from our wounds and being with yourself and carrying the debt, not with shame and not with confusion. You're like, nope, this is a major investment. Like this isn't just a like, LOL, this is a this is a thing, but this is a choice that I'm making clear-eyed, having the part-time job because that allows you to grow your business and support yourself. It's just beyond perfect. Like it's so like, ah, this is the skill set. Yeah. And I always appreciate in my pausing, like no matter how much I want to like quit my part-time job and just be coach full-time and make a hundred thousand dollars a year, every time I like have work, I'm like. I appreciate that. Like I have the option to make money today. Mm -hmm. Like I get to choose. Mm -hmm. I have this privilege of being able to do that mm -hmm. and I'm not taking it lightly. And of course my ego is doing backflips about getting another job, but it's like, it is what funds my future for anything I want to do. Playing a long game with a lot of love. Yeah. Like ego does not get the quote satisfaction of some of the short-lived stuff that it's saying it wants but it's like you're playing a long game with so much love and um when I like coin the term holy wow money it's like that that's holy wow money it's it's not an amount yeah. and it's not you know demanding from the universe as if the universe is an ATM to be demanded it's not it's being in a clear-eyed, loving, supportive relationship with the energy of money, letting it support you, letting it guide you, yeah, letting it genuinely like be a dance partner. And actually, it has helped me so much even in these last few weeks because I've been down and I haven't been quote unquote creating and producing and selling. I have had this money in my bank account and I have appreciated it so much. I'm being like, I actually don't have to push myself to go find a job today. Mm -hmm. I have money in my bank account. I can support myself for a few more months and feel safety. And it's interesting the way you said that, because what I want to make sure everyone's hearing and noticing is it's you are having the money you have. There is a parallel universe where you could be like, okay, but I run out in four months, so I need to get in front of that, which would be not having the money. You're like, no, I have money. If nothing changes, then there will need to be some changes in the future, but that's, we're not there yet. And you guys, Business 101, we don't, sort of like driving. You need, you need to look ahead. You can't just look two feet in front of your bumper when driving a car. You need to look ahead, but also you can only look so far ahead. 
you can only look so far ahead. It's phenomenal to me how often in business people want to worry about something that is like seven steps ahead. And I'm like, why don't you do steps one through three and see what changes? <laughs> like, we can't solve for seven steps ahead. Everything's changing. So like, it's just loving you having, yeah. having your money. Yeah. Give yourself permission to be sufficient, be held by it and be attentive. You're not blindly like, I know you are attentive. Yeah. That to me, that is living in abundance. I am. I think I am. And that doesn't mean that everything is flowers and daisies. It just means not necessarily. Today, and actually, you know, it's funny because I do think of flowers and daisies as abundance because that's God and God is always producing flowers and pretty things and nature. <laughs> it's true, but it's, it's, it's the having. It's why there are people who quote, don't have a high net worth air quote, I roll like, you know, and they, they live well and they are comfortable and they are present with themselves and their loved ones and their pets and their neighbors. And there are people who have 100 times that net worth who yep. live in scarcity. They're worried it's going to go away. They see how it could go away. They're not present with themselves. They're not present with their partner. They're always worried about money. And it's like, it's not about the amount of money. It's about the relationship. And like, I would much rather have a much lower net worth and be present than quote a higher net worth and not be present. And remember listeners, higher net worth does not mean not present. Lower net worth is not better. It is also not worse. And more money is not better. It's not worse. It's always the relationship we're choosing to have. A huge part of my brain, Serena, wanted to take a big chunk of my 5k payment mm -hmm. and throw it at my highest interest debt. Mm-hmm. To quote solve, but your to solve my emotion of discomfort <laughs> with that, mm -hmm. that, um, and then I realized that I mean your words just stuck in my head of just like keep the liquid asset and don't tr try and just like erase your debt in big chunks because you require that liquid asset to like. I, I find more safety there. And, and of course, it's about paying off your debt eventually. Of course, of course, of course. But it's so fascinating to me how many people are comfortable paying off their mortgage over 30 years, 20 years, 10 years. And granted, it's a lower interest rate, guys. I know how math works, but also it's a lot, it's a lot more money usually. And so it's just interesting how we have these different relationships with debt. And I, I will tell you, it's a personal story. I had a client and I didn't used to talk about it so much. So that's part of me talking more about it, but years ago, um, she had like basically a selling spree and just sold a whole bunch of coaching in a very short period of time. And she paid off like all of her debt and had like, I don't remember, I want to say like less than a thousand dollars cash. And then she was right back in scarcity. And she just sold a whole bunch of coaching. So then she was in triple scarcity because she just filled all these spots. And so she was sort of like, oh my God, I just sold all these spots. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, oh, I'm due. And 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 it was it was hard to witness because I was like, what the fuck? Why did you like kill all of that debt? And was like, well, I just didn't want to have debt. I didn't, I didn't, you know, debt is bad. And I'm like, having six hundred dollars to your entire name is not <laughs> better. Yeah. And, and, and needing the urgency of, you know, she had rent coming up, she had all these different things. And it was such an interesting concept. It was like, she was playing the short-term game and wanted that dopamine hit of quote, I got out of all of my credit card debt. I am now superior. And yet I suspect had to use a credit card immediately to pay rent. And, you know, and it was like, oh friend, definitely we want to pay down debt, 
but we want to prioritize. We want to play it in the in the order. It is so real when when it's like your real life, your real business, because like now even thinking back like in November. So when I made this offer with celebrating this 5K sale and hadn't yet received that money, like I decided to be late on rent in November. Mm. And I remember and and decided because I have the privilege that I can do that and still have a house to live in. Yes. Um, but I just the emotion, the emotional clarity was so clear in that, oh, I'm just experiencing an emotion yes. here. There's nothing actually happening that's like bad. I'm it's just so experiencing true. the emotion of discomfort for owing money. Yes. And, and fairly, because it's like, right, we, we pay what we're meant to pay, but it's, it's out of bounds of the realm of what a good girl, what a good woman, what a good air quotes, everybody, but you know, like, and, and be very clear, Veronica paid rent. It was a decision. I love that you chose that word so clearly. It was a decision to be late, not a decision to not pay, not unconscious. It was very conscious, but it's also like, oh yeah, it's the, it's, it's what we're, it's what we're thinking about it. Like, I love the idea that um, years ago, I, when I got my new, I bought my car two years ago and, um, I set myself up with like the Texas toll tag. You know how it is, Veronica, you know, tolls everywhere. And I got like the toll tag and the short of it is I didn't set it up for auto pay. So a few months later it was in collections and I get this note in the mail, like $17 or whatever is in collections. And I was so amused because I remember thinking, what a fucking idiot and setting it up on auto pay immediately. But I remember like, LOL, set it up on auto pay, pay it. I'm so sorry. I'm so embarrassed. I'm sorry. I didn't go to collection. I got the letter when it was going. But you get my point. Like, this is bad. And what was so valuable is I remember thinking, if this had happened years earlier, it would have been a week of shame, a week of how could I do this? I'm a 40 something and a week of what if I didn't have the money? Like, And recognizing the circumstance, getting a, you're an idiot, you owe us $17, we're sending it to collections, blah, blah, blah letter in the mail was the circumstance. And I had such an easy response. And yet I could see so clearly how someone else or me a year prior would have choked on shame and fear. And will it always be this? And will I ever learn? And I'm just not good with money. And it's like, it's always just our thoughts and feelings that are coloring the experience. It was mostly just a stupid ass mistake. Doesn't mean anything. And just want to thank you for talking about your bankruptcy your debt, your worst money situations. Cause like, I don't want to touch that with a 10 foot pole, which no, is why I know <laughs> that that's what I want to say here is like, yeah, I have debt. I've built up tens of thousands of dollars of high interest debt. Expensive money. And it was a decision. And I did that not as an 18 year old. I did it as a fully grown adult. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, yeah. And thank you. If somebody thank has you. an opinion, then that's their opinion. Totally, totally. I'm not doing anything wrong? I'm not doing anything right. I'm, I'm, I'm just again morally neutral. Making choices, and so yeah. I want to say thank you for the thank you because, um, yeah, I, I, I think so much of my shame and my fear, and it was misunderstanding because we don't talk about money as a society. And the reason we don't talk about money as a society is mostly those who have historically been in power have been uh, historically oppressing everyone else. And like, oh, money, money is very complicated and you don't understand. And all these different ways 
that it's just bullshit. And I think that when we recognize how many entrepreneurs have leveraged debt and not just the kind that came from a bank loan. I, I am a single woman without a house, without collateral. So guess what? Same, very few types of quote, good debt are ever available to me. And if you haven't, I don't know if you've watched this, Veronica, we've talked about it in the boom, boom, boom room. Um, the men who built America is on. The oh History yes. I've been channel. meaning to watch it. Ah, so good. The men who built America. So like Carnegie and Rockefeller, like, yeah. They did everything. They were in debt, like all these things and keywords at all, not once, but twice keywords, not once, but twice. Like what blew me away was the second time where each of them and their business was effectively doubling down. And I was like, wow. And the difference of course, is this is back in the day and these are white men and they weren't socialized to fear debt, to fear shame, to quote, be responsible, like all these different things. And it was still brave and courageous, but it's also like, oh yeah, only we can liberate ourselves from the idea that our worthiness is tied to our credit score. Yeah. Our lovability is tied to our credit score. Just so you guys know, I've been on the dating apps. It, I think two thirds of the men on the dating apps and granted I'm 45. So like, but I still don't care about this. Two thirds of the men on the dating apps, like share their credit score or otherwise like, you know, I'm credit worthy or have good credit and I'm looking for the same. And it's just heartbreaking to me. It's that patriarchy is, at work. Yes. That is, that is like, on Bumble, on Hinge, like this is the value add I have. And on one hand, like, sure, I'm not trying to meet a dude who's like, my credit score is 400 and I've filed seven bankruptcies. Like, that's not necessarily hot. I literally make a joke about how my boyfriend, he likes to buy houses and flip them. Um, He doesn't actually want to legally bind himself to me because of my recently dipped credit score. And <laughs> one amazing thing about my relationship is that I did all the really hard relationship coaching on myself before I found him, which is essentially why he manifested in my life. Because when I met him, I put into practice, I don't make anything he says or does mean anything about me. Mm -hmm. So I think a past version of me maybe would have shame spiraled over he doesn't want to marry me because of my credit score. But it is quite literally just a technical thing where he's like, I literally won't be able to get a loan if he's like, I already have a hard enough time getting a loan myself. <laughs> it's just a technicality. It's just, it, it, I don't make it mean anything. Which is valuable because it's all made up bullshit. It is. It is. Like exactly. It's like a paperwork logistics type of thing. Doesn't mean he loves me less. I don't even know if I want to get married. <laughs> but it it also like to your point, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of Oprah and Stedman. It's like paperwork. And and if, yeah. you, if you decide to get married in the future, you guys will figure that out. And I'll bet your credit score will be different. And if you don't, but like recognizing it's not a reason. Oh, he's holding out hope to be one of the retired coach husbands. <laughs> I like him. I'm so, I'm so confused when guys are like, I don't know. I'm like, that just sounds like a good gig. I just think you should do that. Yes. It's, it's, um, it's so powerful that you let him love you and you receive that love. You don't make him wrong for not quote being willing to quote deal with that. Like, whoa, it doesn't make sense necessarily. You don't make him wrong and you don't make you. Yeah. Wrong. And he's not responsible for my debt. Yeah. No. Feminist as fuck. It's just not. Yeah. We're Love ending. It's so good. It was so funny. I was like, this will be a really short episode. And then we're like, let's geek out. Let's Oh, no, we can keep going. I already have like a list of things we'll talk about. But since you're moving to Dallas, we'll talk about it. 
Okay, so there will be the recorded in Dallas follow-up podcast, apparently. Um, so much to talk about that. Will you, I want to ask you like three questions before we wrap. So like rapid fire. What is a surprise learning in the Boom Boom Room? What is something that you were like, oh, I didn't expect to have that experience or to learn that being in the Boom Boom Room? Oh, um, a surprise learning from the Boom Boom Room. One of the first learnings before I had even paid you, actually, but I took one of your trainings mm. was that I have enough right now. Mm. Because I think... I think your training said like, go out and just pay all the bills you can right now. And like, maybe you even said buy stuff. I remember I bought myself glasses Ooh. and I didn't actually need them because for the first time in my life, I went to the do eye doctor and they said, your prescription hasn't changed. So actually wasn't necessary for me to buy new glasses, but I just wanted to. So I, I paid my bills and I bought myself glasses and I still had money left over. And I think the learning from that was I'm always just fearing paying for stuff and buying stuff and paying my bills. But actually, I have enough money and like I can just show myself that over and over again by paying my bills and and buying myself things that I want. Mm -hmm. And if I don't have enough money, it's OK. I just go out and create more. Mm hmm. Talk about but I think good. it's the enoughness, which is so funny because I coach my clients so much on enoughness and sufficiency. Yeah. Of course. But that's what it always boils down to. That's literally what it always boils down to. So I love that. And I I love, I love that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if I had a million dollar business, like I I wouldn't be able to pay for it because I'm not there yet. Like financially, yeah. emotionally, physically. I'm so glad I don't have 99 thousand dollar problems yes exactly yes because i have friends who have successful businesses and i see i see and i hear them stress about money and i'm like oh I'm so glad i don't have that problem right now right now exactly but it's also it's like right it's what we're thinking and feeling about it like mm -hmm. okay what um i love that that was the like oh it's the enoughness when you bought the boom boom room what were you thinking if you can think back like what was the thought what was the what what brought you to the buy now button I want a money coach and I want this money coach. I want Serena Hicks as my money coach. Amazing. So I want to reflect that back to you and everyone listening. Your buyers get to be like, I want this and I want them. Just that. Yeah. Gets to be that simple. Yeah. Realization I had over the last two weeks while I've been down has been my people just buy whatever I want to sell them. Like it doesn't matter what I sell them. They want to buy it. They want to work. They're with just you. waiting for me to offer them something. They want to work with you. It's so hard for our brains, especially mm -hmm. those of us who are like, oh, I'm really practicing receiving. We think we need to have the perfect offer, the perfect name. It needs to, I need to describe the perfect result. I need to have the perfect price. It needs to all be perfect. And it's like, you know what? Your people, when they are ready, like they want to work with you. Boop. Mm. I can't tell you how many times I've coached. I mean, you probably have too coached a client who wants to sell something or do something. And every time they come to session, I'm just like, have you done it yet? Have you done it yet? Have you done it yet? And they just haven't. And I'm like, listen, the second that you do it, you will prove mm -hmm. that you can do it. Susan Hyatt said this once and it made me laugh because I was like, oh shit, she's right. She's like, you know what sells best? Something that is available to sell. Like put it out there, put it out there with the buy now link. She's like, while you're thinking about it and finishing it, it can't sell. What sells best is something that can be sold. I was like, oh, that's good. Yep. And I um, constantly repeat your mantra of um, 
presence over perfection, yep. right? Yep. Like perfection presence itself. Just your presence. Yeah. And the more presence, as in like right now we're connected presence, the better, but just showing up is exponentially more sufficient than when our brain is giving us the perfectionism bullshit. We can't show up, not in a baseball cap, not if it would have us hide. Mm. If um if you had to narrow it down to one of your favorite um lessons, intentional thoughts, I'll let you have free reign. What would it be? Looking at my intentional thoughts. Hmm. Oh man, this is a hard one. I mean, I have like a money one and I have a general one. So there's oh. always more money. Oh yeah. There is always more money. I love that. You're like, oh yeah. Yeah. There's always more money. Yeah. And it is just proven to me over and over again. It is like a stream that you can just dip into, right? I think Simone Soul says that their other river of possibility is always available. I love oh. that one too. But there is always more money. And then for me personally, I, I practice a lot of them, but like, I'm enough, I'm worthy. But the one that's made the biggest difference in the last year has been, I like myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's always more money and I like myself. Not yeah. I love myself. Yeah. Cause like, we can love without liking. Yeah. No, I like mm. myself. Those are so powerful and so loving and so gentle and yet so powerful. It is the perfect ending. Everybody, here are intentional thoughts to practice for the rest of the day with a nod and a shout out to Veronica. There's always more money. I like myself. Yeah, because that one is like my retort to my RSD, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't care if everybody out there doesn't even like me. I do. I like me. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's it. Goodbye, you guys. I'm going to go cry. That was so powerful and wonderful, Veronica. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing so openly with everybody. I hope that you guys will join us in the Boom Boom Room. Go to serenahicks.com and I hope that you will find Veronica. Of course, she's linked in the show notes or back at the top of the episode where there's the all the different places to connect. Thank you for being here. Hey, Holy Well Money changes the world and it starts with you. Yes you. Are you already ready for even more? If you want to like make out with these learnings, I want you to get on my email list at serenahicks.com right now. And if you like "Mm, are ready to get married with these learnings and want more, 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 get your sweet cheeks into the boom, boom room where all of the other change maker cool kids are all ready, lighting the world on fire with even more of their sacred work that they are getting paid holy wow money for. You'll find all the information at serenahicks.com forward slash boom. Love you. Mean it. Bye.